to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs bonus episode number two. I am joined by my co-host who has made an appearance this time, he wasn't on the first uh, bonus episode but he is with us now and that would be the ghoulish Graham Humphrey. How are you doing Graham? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much for asking. And we're also joined by um, almost, she's pretty much almost a, a permanent co-host on this show, but the lovely Jamie Jenkins. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well. That's pretty much just because you can't shake me loose. I keep popping up in the window. And <laughs> I haven't quite found like the block earpiece. button on Skype yet. That's okay. Don't bother looking because I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> So we did a show uh, about a month ago, um, it was our first bonus episode, we're going to try and put these out once a month, um, where myself and Jamie, we spoke about some of the underrated slasher films um, from that genre that people had to check out. Uh, we had a lot of fun, so this time we're back to talk more underrated films, but we're going to tackle the ghost genre. That is, ghost the genre and not ghost the film. Hey. Heavily underrated film. <laughs> Fuck off. If you're into pottery porn. <laughs> well, who isn't? Well, let's be honest. Who's who? Honestly, who's never fashioned a vagina out of a pottery thing and shagged it? Let's be straight up here. I have not. That, well, <laughs> touche. We've all done it, really. Let's not judge. I may now mold one of my own, though. <laughs> 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 you know, we obviously want to try and get as many people interested in the bonus episodes, trying to make them more interactive. So if you have any suggestions at all of any future films or subgenres that we should look at to discuss um, if it's overrated or underrated, um, you can reach us on our Facebook page, which uh, if you go to Facebook, go into the search bar and type in podcast under the stairs and then click to join the group and we'll add you and join our conversation. But moving on quickly, what we'll do is we will just have a quick discussion to see what everyone has been watching recently. So Graham, have you had much of a chance to check out any movies or television programs recently? And if so, what have you been watching? Um... Well, I haven't watched a whole hell of a lot, to be honest with you. I watched, um, obviously, because you you sent it to me, I watched um, episode one of American Horror Story. Oh, what did you think? Um, see, the, the new season, sorry. Um, I watched the uh, episode one of American Horror Story, Coven, and not Coven. <laughs> oh. uh, it is too Coven. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I Hello? I, I, I fucked I, him I, up. I, Look what I did. I, I don't know what <laughs> I broke to say about it. I'm done. Tying up. I'm gone. Um, no, I, 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 I don't know what to say about it. It's American Horror Story and Witches. I'm sold. It's pretty much your dream combo, Grim. Pretty much, isn't it? Yeah, I've, I, I watched yeah. it and um, I fucking loved it. Um, it's great to see Kathy Bates back. I'm a huge fan of Kathy Bates. I think she's one of these actresses that she she just she's not constantly putting things out, but when she is, the the standard is of such 
Oh, such such a high standard. I think she's a great actress, and to see her play off against uh, Jessica Lang is just mind blowing. Um, the chemistry's fantastic, and I know that we we didn't really get to see much of them until the the end of the the first episode. I've been fortunate enough to see episode two, where there's there's a lot more going on there. But um, son of a bitch, <laughs> I, I will forward it on to you, Graham, and we will have a chance to to talk about episode two <laughs> very soon. I'm really excited about this about this season too because I also love witches and American Horror Story anything is just they have proven to me that they can do anything but I'm super excited about this one and we have all these people back and you mentioned of course Kathy Bates and Jessica Lange and then you throw Angela Bassett into that as Marie Laveau and it's just uh, it's amazing um, so I have been fortunate enough to get to watch episode two um, which uh, you you have too right Duncan? yeah that's great um, yeah and I think it's even better than episode one. Um, of course, episode one, you get all the introduction stuff. And so you're, you know, you're learning things. By the time episode two comes around, it's like it hits the ground running and it just it's going. But it's not as off. It's not as off the rails as Asylum was. So it's very focused. And it's just it's I can't even there's some great scenes with Kathy Bates in this one yeah. too. I mean, I'm that's she and Jessica Lang sparring together, I think is going to be the highlight of this entire season. Definitely. Definitely. I think um, when it comes to casting that show, just they know, they know exactly who to put in, where to put them, what roles are also, it's all sorted out. And then they just let the actors do their stuff and uh, such clever casting, such clever storytelling so far. i genuinely think this one could be the best so far and I know we're only kind of two episodes into it but I think already I'm enjoying this more than I enjoyed Asylum and because uh, Asylum took me a couple of episodes to get into it um, I know Graham's going to get around to seeing that eventually but yeah fantastic so love that show it's unbelievable yeah if it if it continues as strongly as the first two episodes have been then I think that we're in for a real treat. And this is our, I agree with you already. I feel like this is, even though we haven't gotten that far, I feel like this is going to be my favorite season. And so they just keep, they just keep raising the bar every season. They keep raising the bar. And when you think what the hell can they possibly do to make it even better than, um, cause they, that's what we were saying about asylum. Yeah. It's like they were, they right they rang like bleh. <laughs> they rang you out. I mean, you were just, I don't know, um, exhausted, really. If you tried to, to watch it all at once, there's so much stuff going on. But, like, how can they possibly do anything better? Well, they did, and I think they're going to continue, and it's super exciting. Plus, I mean, oh. we got some great lore going in there with – it takes place in New Orleans. So um, – and then they're bringing in some Salem mentions. Like, so you've got the, the, the classic witchcraft stuff, but then you've also got voodoo thrown in there. It's – it's just there, and there are so many places they can go with that. So fun times. Plus, there's a minotaur. Yeah, that, no, that's what I was going to say. Like the, the the bit when the like the, just when the camera pans out and it's just the guy all chained up and he's just got the fucking cow's head on. That shit was like, I was me, man. I was done, sold. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> there were uh, there were a couple of scenes in the first episode that really disturbed me. One being the minotaur thing. That that um I thought it was just very visceral and 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 disturbing and. Um, then the gang rape yeah. was not, not, a, not a big fan of rape. I need, need to be, need well, that's good. To, that's good to know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't typically bother me as much. You know, what's funny is that what does bother me is like, if 
um, like Deliverance or even Pulp Fiction. Um, man-on-man rape really disturbs me. Um, other forms of rape don't typically get to me that much. Um, I don't know what that says. It's probably bad. But uh, but that particular scene was difficult for me to watch. It was very difficult for me to watch. And I was like, and it's a TV show. You know, it's yeah. not even like it's irreversible or something, you know, or, or um, Last House on the Left. I mean, this was a TV show. Yeah. And um, they managed to, to hit me that hard at the core. So that says a lot. What else have you been watching, Grim? Um, made a, a pretty decent crack on Six Feet Under season two. Fantastic. Um, about, about halfway through that now. Shit's starting to get a bit weird. It's starting to get to that stage where things are happening. You're not sure if it's real or it's not. Um, like there's there's a there's a lot of moments where things are happening, and then all of a sudden it turns out that it's like it's just going on in Nate's head and stuff. Yeah, it's getting a bit weird. Yeah. But no, it's cool, man. I'm I'm enjoying that. I I really enjoyed the first season. We started the second season and then took a really long break from it and came back to it and it didn't make any sense, so we just kind of had to start again. But, uh, but no, I'm, I'm enjoying that as well. Um, because we spoke about it the other day, uh, I watched To the Devil a Daughter as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, so obviously I don't want to talk too much about that in case it does come up in a later one. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a classic film. Can he, can he whack it? <laughs> um, and uh, I also watched um, the Scream retrospective documentary Still Screaming oh yeah uh, obviously you know Duncan Jamie you probably know as well like, I never shut up about it but like, I just I, I absolutely love Scream the, the whole Scream series I know that Scream 4 got a lot of uh, criticism but I just I, I love it as far as I'm concerned most of but it I, came I, from me I think <laughs> <laughs> I was I was about to say as far as I'm concerned that season that series can do no wrong but that's total lies because Scream Three was fucking terrible but um but I just I, I don't know I I think it's possible it's because Scream was the first kind of like uh, slasher that I that I really properly got into or whatever it is I'm not really sure what it is but it just ticks all the right boxes for me I just I absolutely love it um. So it was cool to, to watch the, the documentary. There was no, nothing in it that I didn't already know, but I like watching documentaries and I like Scream. So if you can put together a decent documentary about Scream, then cool, I'll watch that and I will enjoy it. Um, I also watched uh, His Name is Jason. Um, oh, yeah. Because we were talking about uh, Jason Takes Manhattan last time. <laughs> and uh, and I, I was looking on online to find the fucking terrible trailer that Jamie was talking about, and I did find it, and it is fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh, look at that! You not only paid attention to something I said, but you followed it up. I'm he impressed. Did his homework. He did, did his homework. Exactly. Yep. Um, and through that, I found um, his name was Jason, and watched that again. I like documentaries. I like Friday Thirteenth. Put together a decent documentary, and I will watch it. And that's exactly what it was. And it's not like seven hours long. <laughs> i've still to really get into that i think I, I watched the 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 first two films being spoke about on crystal lake memories and i've not went back to it but uh, for my birthday i got my brother-in-law bought me a box set on the video nasties so oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no I've, i, I saw, was it john that got you that i saw he posted that yeah on, yeah on john got me it. Yeah. i know i've got the same one now it's cool I, i'm looking forward to because I, I know i know 
quite a few of the video nasties, but I obviously don't know them all, and I'll be interested in taking a look through and almost ticking off what ones I haven't seen and making sure I get a yeah. chance to see them. But uh, yeah, so I've I've got like in the way of kind of documentary stuff, I've got fucking hours and hours to watch, and yeah. at the moment no time to do it. So I'm gonna have to try and probably have to wait till I come back from New York, and I think I've still got a couple of days off my work when I come back, and I'll probably just plow into them then and get them finished. So. Looking forward to that. The Never Sleep Again one was really good. Like, I, I got that just like when I moved down to Newcastle and I was living in a hotel for months. So I had nothing to do for a lot of the time. So I did just kind of sit down and just watch it all in one go. And I, I really enjoyed it. But yeah. I, I can imagine that if you actually have a life and have things to do, sitting down and watching you know seven hours worth of documentary is maybe not <laughs> ideal. Um, so... Uh, uh, but I also, Jamie may well go through me for this, but I also think that Friday the 13th is not as strong a series as Nightmare on Elm Street. And, like, Ooh. Nightmare on Elm Street... No, 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 no. Hear, hear me out, hear me out, right? What? <laughs> that, 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 no. Nightmare on, Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street has some fucking terrible films, right? But I just think that... Most of them are terrible. Most of the... Are, most of the Friday the 13th films are fucking terrible as well. No, but I think the no, thing is that... No, 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 no. <laughs> yep, yep. Graham, uh, you hurt me. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I think that the strong Nightmare on Elm Street films are stronger than the strong Friday the 13th films. Oh, no, just, no, 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 no. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I need medication. <laughs> I can't do it. I think this is. Remember when I said I couldn't find the the block button on Skype earlier on? I think Graham's Graham's deliberately trying to offend you, so you'll not come back on. <laughs> no, you are, of course, and you you know, obviously, I I tease. You're entitled. Um, I just don't. I'm. I've just always been Team Jason, and well, for me, he was around much longer. I mean, I was, I was well into. Friday the 13th before Nightmare even reared its head. So um, he's always been just sort of ingrained in there for me. And Freddy was is, was a little too, in the beginning not so much, but then later on he was a little, he was so comical. I like the strong silent type. <laughs> so I guess that's why. I, th- I, think, um, I think Friday the 13th, I think the first four in that series are really fucking strong. I think back to back are four really strong films. Even though they, they get a bit quirky in the third one. Um, I think you know, they are four incredibly strong films. I, you can't say the same about Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't like the first one. I think I like the second one. I know I'm in a minority of people that like the second one. I think the third one is just the best one they did. Um, but then it's about another three before I, th- I come back and, you know, start enjoying it. Whereas I think there's the odd one dotted around. I mean, I I write for my sins. I really enjoy uh, Jason Goes to Hell. I really enjoy Jason X as well. Uh, I I know it's nonsense, I do too. but yeah, I, I enjoy I enjoy those films. So overall, if you're doing a a kind of if you were if you were being all mathematical and you were doing like a a graph showing the enjoyment, I enjoy far more of the Friday the Thirteenth series than I do the Nightmare on Elm Street series. I just think that one has maybe a few gems, but for the most part, it's pretty awful. Um, mm-hmm. 
But that, like, like Graham was saying, like you were saying as well, Jamie, it's all, it all comes down to personal taste. However, the do- the documentary, the Never Sleep Again documentary, I think it really does highlight why some of the films are so bad when they, when they talk about the troubles that they went through and how scripts were basically handed to. I mean, if you worked on on the set as maybe like fucking a light operator or something like that, they pretty much offered you the opportunity to direct the following film. And I think that's maybe where a lot of that goes wrong. Um, I know a lot of these guys that have done that have went on to become, you know, fine directors, but um, th- that there's there's just some, that's uh, a wildly kind of strange inconsistent series of films, the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street ones. Um, how, but, how does it how does it feel being this wrong all the time? <laughs> well, well, can we all agree that both of them trump the Halloween series? Oh, definitely. Yes. See, when you, see okay, when you told then, me, then I'm good. Yeah, see, Jimmy, when you told me you were going back through and watching, you were going through to watch all the Halloween films, and I was just like, what What kind of penance are you trying to serve up on yourself here? I mean, what What have you done? Which, you know what I mean? That has forced you to sit down because that series is god awful. Yeah, I what, wondered what, that when what? I was midway through. I was like, "What in the hell am I doing to myself?" But I couldn't stop at that point. You know, I just <laughs> like I had to go. Which one is it where Michael Myers is like some fucking like leader of a group of druids and all that yeah, shit, and like some ancient six. religion and all that? Yeah, it's sex. It's cult of thorn, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and that's fucking just... amazing that movie. As much as I appreciate, <laughs> as much as I appreciate H two O for trying to bring it back and get rid of the cult of Thorn bullshit, which was total bullshit, and then you know bring it back to something simple as you know just being Michael Myers and all, it just was boring. You know, so it's like, damn it, I appreciate what you were trying to do, but you bored me to tears in doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's just a bad series, uh, but. You guys um, will probably enjoy the Halloween 6 commentary that we're going to do for Devour um, because that's our Halloween special this year. And if I think – I I was like when he first told me that, I'm like, God damn it. I just watched that like a week ago. Don't tell me I have to do it again live. Um, But uh, it's going to be fun at least because we're going to be able to rip it wide open. So, yeah. Yay. (laughs) What what have you um, other than the the massive amount of of trauma you've went through watching Halloween films? What have you been watching recently, Jim? I know you tend to have a long list anyway, but <laughs> well, I mean, I'll keep it short. Basically, I'm doing uh, other than that, which was for my was for my own. <laughs> I almost said entertainment, but that is that is a, a huge overstatement. Um, <laughs> um, Your own endurance. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I was testing my stamina. Um, <laughs> I watched that. Um, we're still doing Universal Classics on the Skeleton Crew, so that's been a lot have of you fun. Done, have you done Phantom of the Opera? No. Um, we started with uh, like Dracula in 1931, and we're doing basically all the Dracula, Frankenstein, and Wolfman movies. Um, I think we're going to be doing uh, Invisible Man and, and Creature from the Black Lagoon as well. But ah, ah. <laughs> but that's really fun. I really enjoy these movies. It's um, some of them are some of them are bad, but the Not Creature from the Black Lagoon. That's that's a perfect movie. Thank you. I love that movie. Uh, but the um, you're so smart sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, not not about Nightmare on Elm Street, though. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, and then I watched Carrie last night. It premiered. Oh, yeah. And so I got to see it opening night, and so there was that. I was, You know how I was excited I was about that. I mean, I've been waiting for over a year to see that movie. 
Yeah, you've been talking about it for ages on Devour. I mean, it actually almost got to that stage where, you know, I thought this film's never going to come out and you're just going to keep talking about it every week. But, uh, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you finally got to see it. And uh, we kind of got a lukewarm sort of response on Facebook for it. Yeah. Um, well, I just felt, everyone felt like they were sort of uh, turned down a notch. Like it was just very subdued. I... I wanted to, through the majority of the film, I wanted to just shake them and go, give me more, because I just didn't feel like they dug in deep enough for the emotional parts. I mean, Chloe Grace Moretz did it. She did a fine job. But all the other characters, well, apart from Julianne Moore, like the, the, all the other school characters just seemed to blend. They were very, um, they were very... Um, Beige. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they were. And I thought the John Travolta's in the cast then now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, playing a sweat hog, which is what he did basically in the first one. <laughs> the um, the prom scene was really fun. That's that when as soon as we got to the prom scene, then I felt like it was like that's when we hit it hit its stride. I had a really great time with that. And then sadly, I just felt like the end was just sort of a fizzle. It didn't really. There was no um, nothing really exciting at the end. It just kind of went and um. So there's, I I, there. Yeah, I think. Well, okay. Here's this should sum it up. When the credits began to roll, this was the noise that emitted from me. Huh? <laughs> and that was it. I was just like, huh? <laughs> um, I remember, uh, sorry, sorry to, to interrupt. It just uh, this just sums up Glasgow beautifully. Um, <laughs> I remember uh, I went to see The Grudge, like the the American version of it, when it came out. Just because, not because I was particularly excited about it, just because there was nothing else on. But anyway, so <laughs> the movie played and everything, and everyone in there was clearly hating it. And the film stopped, and there's that wee tiny second of black before the credits start. And this guy out the back just went, Yeah, that was shite! <laughs> Amazing. It was beautiful. I actually like The Grudge. No. I do. That movie, um, it, scared, it scared me really bad. I was living alone at the time, too. And when I got home from watching that movie, I turned on every light in the house. I wouldn't even go into my bedroom. Um, <laughs> I slept on the sofa fully clothed. And uh, the funny thing about that was that I was every, every time I would open my eyes, the, the box cover for Pet Cemetery was staring right in my face. Uh, and I was just like, damn it. <laughs> but, yeah, that one affected me on a deep level um, back then. But I really haven't watched it recently, so I don't know if it would work again. But was it was it, successful was it, first time. The American one that you saw? The... Yeah, yeah, the American one. Yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't mind, I didn't mind the American one. The Japanese one, though, was... First time I saw that, that really got under my skin. Um, there's some sequences in that. I think the thing is as well, in Japanese films, they tend to do a lot more of what happens on the screen practically um, instead of using a lot of CG. Uh, and that, that film especially, the the woman they got casted in that film to play the, the kind of dead, creepy, kind of uh, sort of woman is fucking... Uh, very, very, very scary. I thought that was your Graham impression. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's they stole it from Graham. Graham's still in a legal battle just now to get the, the rights uh, back. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, true story. Well, good luck on that one. <laughs> anyway, that's it basically. I, I ended up with I ended up with Carrie, and then you know a, a few uh, personal Halloween viewings here and there, but nothing of consequence really. And that's about it. Yeah, um, I've actually not watch that much um i was away for a wee while uh for kind of a long weekend away and since i've come back uh, my hammer collection box set arrived so um kind of started that i 
cheated though. I didn't start from the beginning. I went straight to the Devil Rides Out for obvious reasons. But once again, we'll not talk about that much just uh, in case it appears on a, a later show. Um, I watched Cycle last night on Blu-ray and it, oh, it looks gorgeous on Blu-ray. Um, and out with that, not much at all other than kind of catching up with television programs. Uh, so I've obviously seen the first two episodes of American Horror Story. I've started up this season of Homeland. Um, watching Eastbound and Down, which has been fantastic. Uh, you watch any British shows or Scottish shows or anything that's not American? Scottish shows. To, Scottish shows. That's a good to, point. To, to be honest, I I do occasionally. There, there are certain, like I really like Sherlock, um, the one with Benedict Cumberbatch. I think I think that's really good. And I've, I keep being I, well, I keep hearing that I should watch Luther, which I will eventually get around to watching. But out with that, I'm. I think it's one of these things. I think that when you live in the country, you tend to look at entertainment outside the country. So um, I tend to watch a lot of American shows. I think at the moment, America is putting out some of the best television program. Like American Horror Stories, your prime example. This year, Bates Motel. I really enjoyed that. I thought Hannibal was stunning, and it's probably one of the best series. Um, I've ever seen. I just think the things they did on that show were oh, so, so dark and so sinister. I mean, there's a sequence in one of the episodes where there's a guy operating on someone who's still alive and pulling at his body parts mm-hmm. in front of him. And that, to me, is horrific. You know what I mean? And You know, you're sitting watching it going, this is a television show. You know what I mean? It's fucking mind-blowing. Um, so, yeah, I, I tend to kind of focus more towards that. There isn't a lot of kind of British horror television shows or anything that dark or sinister yeah, which gets shown really. over here to be do honest. You, do you know if there's going to be a second series of Ripper Street? I've not heard anything. I've actually still, that's one of those ones that I've been told to watch because um, apparently I really enjoy it. Oh, I it. love it. I love it. And um, um, But I was there's only just the, the eight episodes and I want more. So I think the British yeah. so, sorry again? Well, I was just going to Kind of go back to, to your point about like sort of British TV, like British sort of horror TV. The the last thing I can really remember, and it wasn't strictly horror, um, but it used elements of it, would have been Psycho Bill. Yeah, yeah, but that's and that, that, yeah, that that was what four or five years ago now. Uh, Psycho Bill finished three years ago. Um, like the second series. Was it? Right, right, right. Fucking brilliant, man! I love Psycho Bill so. Well, much. I don't know that one. And that's oh, the guys from the oh. League of Gentlemen. You need to watch it. It's it's basically. Um, it's uh, Steve Pemberton and uh, Reese Shearsmith from the League of Gentlemen. It was their kind of their own show that it did, which was almost kind of a, a who done it sort of blackmail strange thing. But the characters, you know how like when you watch League of Gentlemen, it's essentially three guys playing God knows how many characters. Well, most of the characters are divvied up between the two of them, uh, and oh, just absolutely That's so, so fucking so funny. funny. <laughs> And it's so like, funny. but it, but it, it, like the League of Gentlemen obviously is very creepy, but it's but Psychoville is kind of I think much more based in horror. Yeah, certainly the first season. Oh they, uh, well, they have that. They have the the kind of the nod to Hitchcock's The Rope. They do a whole yeah, yeah. like episode, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. which is yeah, shot yeah, yeah. and it's shot in one shot, just oh, like The Rope was yeah, shot. Yeah, so yeah. Um, incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, if you like League of Gentlemen, then you have to watch it. The, the Halloween episode is so fucking funny as well. It's just, it's just, it's such a good series. Uh, they only did two series. 
That's um, right. I think there was there was talk of, of a third, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. Yeah, like if, if they don't do another one, then I can kind of live with it because it's pretty much perfect as it is. But obviously, because it's so good, you want more of it. But um, I, no, it's just excellent, absolutely excellent. Yeah, I really enjoyed I, in I the think. flesh too, but that was only three episodes. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's that's the thing. I think over here, Jamie, is I think they start with there's some like really kind of cool dark television over here, and it kind they kind of start it out, but. It never really gets the full attention that it deserves, so it's almost like over here, the BBC especially is bad for this, that they'll maybe just make a standalone one kind of series, three episode kind of dark drama, and they'll put it up and it'll get a lot of praise, but then they just don't really have the heart to do like a second series or carry it, carry it forward, which is really strange, but then on the, the other side you've got American shows which run well past their sell date. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so I, it's kind of it's kind of finding that balance. So I, like I say, I tend to watch a lot of American television shows um, just because, and I'm not saying that British television is bad because there are shows which I think, you know, are, you know, good, solid shows, but there just seems to be more choice coming out from especially America at the moment. One of the best television shows I saw this year, actually, is French. Um, it's The Returned, and I <gasps> cannot recommend... If you get a chance I to watch it... it it's, did you? What did you think? I loved it. It's complete... I've never seen... I mean, I like French cinema anyway. I think that they've the, the visuals in French cinema are just absolutely beautiful. But the fact that they took the, the kind of... the zombie genre... And just did their own thing with it, and it just it floored me. That finished, and I actually, I when that show finished, I just I, I sat there and thought, you know, even if there wasn't a second season, and I know they are doing the second season, but if there there wasn't, you know, that that to me is almost the perfect television series. I just loved it uh, so much. Um, so if you've not seen that, Graham, get your hands on it. You'd fucking love it. Uh, I will do. I, I haven't seen it, but I'll I'll check it out. Um, I mean, the, the, just talking about like American TV and stuff like that, I haven't actually had the chance to see it yet. And Jamie, I, I know you really like it, but to me, it looks fucking terrible. His uh, Sleepy Hollow. Uh, well, you know, it I can. Looks I, awful. I can totally see that, and I can even understand it if people watch it and they can't get into it. I, I mean, I'm I'm not going to argue anyone down if they say they don't like it. I personally really enjoy it. Um, and particularly the character of Ichabod Crane, I think that he is just brilliant. He's so funny. He's so, and it's just he's very charming and it's kind of whimsical the way that he approaches because he's supposed to be from uh, the Revolutionary War and he just sort of woke up in present day America, yeah. and so he's constantly astounded by all the things that, that come across him and and he you know he will go on a rampage about the tariff on donuts and, you know, and he's like you know you know on on how much baked goods cost and. Um, he had some donut holes, and they cost like four fifty, like four fifty nine, you know, with an additional tariff for forty one cents, you know. <laughs> but um, anyway, it's just it's clever, it's very well written, and you have to kind of approach it with an open. Um, don't try to hold it to, especially don't try to hold it to the original Washington Irving story because that's not going to happen. It goes way outside the box. But if if you can be open to it, it's fun. I got um ten million views. On its its uh, premiere, which kind of shows to an extent that I mean that the the kind of the ideas of kind of horror te- te- 
sorry, I can't even speak now, horror television are starting to permeate amongst people that generally wouldn't watch that sort of stuff. So I, I will give it a chance. Um, I know it's coming over here. If it's not this week, I think it might be next week, um, the the first episode premieres. So I'm looking forward to it, though. I'll give it a shot and see how I get on. Um, but yeah, yeah. I guess they tried. Are you guys, have you guys gotten the new season of Walking Dead yet? Yeah, it I mean, started. Yeah. Okay. It started. Um, Graham's quite far behind it, so. Because <laughs> um, I was thinking you that um, before you guys were, were were running like a like a week behind, um, and by second second or third season, I think you were only like a week behind us. But um, it just started this past Sunday for us. So I guess did you get it at the same time? Uh, it doesn't come out on Sunday. It comes out oh, over okay. here on Friday. So you okay. get on Sunday, we get on the Friday. So it's it's not that bad. Um, I think they've obviously learned their lesson with, I mean, things like Breaking Bad. Towards the end there, when Breaking Bad was finishing in America, it was instantly streaming on British Netflix. So things like that are getting better, I think. Um, well, with that- the internet, you know, it, it's really not fair, one, to make you wait, <laughs> because yeah. that just sucks. But then, two, you know, Americans are notorious for not being able to keep our mouths shut. So, <laughs> so we'll just That's ruin right. everything for you. <laughs> Well, I'm uh, I'm I'm still on season two. Uh, I think that should uh, wrap up the the what we've all been watching segment. And what we'll do is we'll take a short musical break, and then we will come back to discuss my choice for underrated ghost film. So we'll be right back after this. This is Jamie from Devour the Podcast. Do you enjoy horror commentary with straightforward honesty? Oh my god, fuck this movie. Fuck this movie so hard. Oh my goodness, you know. I, halfway through this movie, I was just like, let's get this thing going. Fuck this movie. Okay. <laughs> Humor and an obvious passion for the genre. I'm a good baby. I'll kick him in the face. I like the cut of your jib. The ceiling, Grandma. Don't make me get out the broom. Oh, your tears are like wine. They used to call that the vape. Cupcakes are kind of the Schindler's list of desserts. It's it's a, a pure good. I love the idea of up-and-coming horror directors taking on the found footage genre. I really, really like that idea. And that's really the worst thing you can commit as far as filmmaking is concerned, is making a film that's just average. Well, that doesn't really inspire any kind of exactly. discussion, whether it's, you know, to rip it apart or, or praise it. Then you should spend time with David and me. And Bo. As we discuss horror films from old classics. Deep Red. And Empire of the Ants, Lisa and the Devil, The Baby, The Toxic Avengers, The New Favorites, Absentia, Cabin in the Woods, The Loved Ones, Shadow of Death, VHS, The Woman. Check us out on iTunes or at devourthepodcast.blogspot.com. Devour the Podcast is a proud member of the Horrorphilia Podcasting Network. back and i get first pick on this one so my choice for underrated ghost film is 1996 the frighteners there has been a destructive force unleashed on this town such as i have never seen oh my god i don't believe this is not happening we have got a poltergeist 
Okay, well, folks, I can do a clearance, but uh, it's not going to be cheap. Although I do offer a six-month guarantee. That fellow takes us totally for granted. Hey, Stuart, in or out, huh? Frank Bannister had a remarkable ability. Psychic investigator? To communicate with the dead. You, you could see spirits? Emanations are normally confined to the cemetery. You cannot push spirits around! Although they do escape. <laughs> and an uncanny knack. We're gonna scare the living daylights out of your parents. <gasps> for making a profit off the living. We're supposed to be his business partners. Everyone says that you're a fraud, but I've seen what you can do. Give it up, Frank. Death ain't no way to make a living. But now... <laughs> Some things put the fear of death in the living. What is happening to me? And send the dead yes! running for their lives. I've seen a figure in a cape. That was the soul collector. When your number's up, that's it. Frank, we got problems. All these murders that have been going on in Fairwater, they're gonna pin them on you. Pictures and Robert Zemeckis. You're next, pal. And acclaimed director Peter Jackson. We don't stop till the screaming starts. You did. The Frighteners. Now, let me give you some information on that. It was directed by Peter Jackson and it was co written by Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh. It stars Michael J. Fox, Trini Avalardo. Peter Dobson, John Aston, Jeffrey Combs, we love Jeffrey Combs, D. Wallace, who we also love, we also love D. Wallace, uh, Jack Bussey, son of that scary face. In fact, he actually looks like his dad. Scarily looks like his dad, but I'm trying to stay on topic here. Jim McBride, Jim Fife, Troy Evans, and Juliana McCarthy. Oh, and I'm not going to forget this, uh, R. Lee Emery. And the synopsis of the film is, after a tragic car accident that killed his wife, a man discovers he can communicate with the dead to con people. But when a demonic spirit appears, he may be the only one who can stop it from killing the living and the dead. Now, this film, like I said, came out in 1996. And I was doing a bit of research on this one because this film I love, I I know it it kind of straddles that very kind of dodgy line of horror and comedy but um, this film essentially to me is the last kind of Peter Jackson out and where he was kind of really kind of trying to do the horror stuff I know he went off and did uh, uh, King Kong we won't talk about that too oh, much because <laughs> Graham hates King Kong and I, I join him on that oh, one I hate the no, remake no, no. Graham loves King Kong Graham hates Peter Jackson's King Kong <laughs> Peter Jackson's King Kong can suck my King Kong Fucking hell, that was a terrible movie. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this to me is the, the, the kind of And last... it's like three hours long, there's no need for it. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> this is the last kind of Peter Jackson outing where he, you know, he's kind of focusing on, on horror. And if he ever wanted to make a return to horror, I think we'd welcome him back. Uh, you know, it, we're never going to close this guy out because some of his his kind of earlier horror films are fucking brilliant. But um, this one was like a fairly big affair for him. It was released through Universal, had a pretty ridiculous budget and underperformed. And I think the reason it underperformed, I was kind of reading up on this on the internet, was uh, it was supposed to be released about Halloween time in 1996. 
but Universal put quite a lot of money into the marketing behind the film and brought it forward and released it during the summer. And what came out in summer 1996? Independence Day, which pretty much fucking crushed it. So this film became fairly obscure. Um, now, I just assume that everyone has seen this film, but just recently through talking to people, I found out that actually a lot of folk that I know have never seen The Frighteners, which just kind of baffles me because, you know, it's got Michael J. Fox in it and anyone my age pretty much grew up with with Michael J. Fox, so I would just assume that people have seen some of his other works. Um, the thing that kind of gets me most about this film in terms of it, you know, being the kind of underrated film that, that I think it is anyway, is the fact that the this is one of the few kind of horror comedies that actually work. This film is very funny and at the same time pretty fucking scre- uh, creepy in bits. Um, it has a, a particular sense of humour which Peter Jackson's fairly famous for with his earlier works. Um, if you've seen any of his kind of earlier horror films you'll know where I'm coming from with that kind of statement. Uh, and the cast is really strong as well. I absolutely love uh, Michael J. Fox in this film. I think he's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, D. Wallace, also excellent in this film. Jeffrey Combs, I mean, the fucking reanimator. <laughs> he's in this film. Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. he's playing a fucking crazy out there role that, you know, I absolutely love. Um, the fact it deals with a serial killer, but not just a serial killer, a serial killer who's went on to become a ghost that is, yeah. you know, <laughs> still killing people. That's pretty fucking cool. Um, the, you know, he's, I, I got a score of 13. You know, this sort of thing where he, he actually carves numbers into the foreheads of his victims. But yeah. he's he's continuing to do it beyond the grave. And he, he's killing ghosts as well as ordinary people. And you have, fundamentally, you have this character, Frank Bannister, who was an architect who had an accident several years before in which he's... he's uh, his wife or girlfriend, I'm not quite sure, she dies in that. He has a near-death experience and um, he finds out that after that he can see ghosts and instead of, you know, going to seek uh, psychiatric help or or anything like that, decides to become a con man. So he has um, some living ghosts which he sends to properties to do some paranormal stuff and then he shows up and performs his kind of version of a an exorcism on the property and takes money off people. So uh, that that in itself is fairly funny. The ghosts that it has kind of working for him are really funny. Um, and, you know, it's just... In a lot of ways, this film kind of reminds me of Beetlejuice. Uh, just in yeah. the way... Yeah, you know what I mean? It's got that kind of Beetlejuice vibe about it. Um, yeah. Kind of similar subject matter as well. When you think about Beetlejuice, you know, about, you know, ghosts and certain people can see them and then you know it's a similar story um but i just think this is i mean i've seen the the original version and the director's cut and even though they added additional footage in which pushes the film over the two hour mark um i still thoroughly enjoy it i don't think it the film lapses i obviously don't want to go into too much of a kind of a spoiler on this one um even though it has been it since 96 i would encourage everyone to go and see this film uh, if they get a chance, you know, if uh, if it's on Netflix, I don't know if it is, but if you can get your hands on it, watch this film because I think, it, you know, it, it's one of these things where it's not the film's fault that it didn't get the, the audience that 
it required or needed or demanded almost it's the movie company's fault i mean yeah. who puts who puts a horror film out in fucking summer against independence day i mean come on <laughs> and no one's going to tell me that they didn't know how big independence day was going to be come on to fuck <laughs> you know what i mean that film that film had tv promos and everything where the white house got blown up for about six months before the film came out so come on <laughs> Play, play the white man uh, so I just think um, like I say there's there's a lot in this film which makes me happy and I hadn't seen it in a couple of years and obviously me and Jamie had been floating some ideas about and uh, the topic of witches had come up and Graham pretty much told us that if we had talked about witch films um, he wasn't coming back ever no, 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 I said if you talk about which films without me, I won't come back. <laughs> and as tempted as I was to see if that would actually happen, <laughs> <laughs> I decided to play it safe and, you know, go with, with ghost films. And I, I know that the thing is that of the three films we're going to discuss, Mings is the comedy. <laughs> you know, Mings is the one that's it's probably more appealing to those that might not necessarily be into full-blown horror. But I think this film shows that with the right director, with the right cast, with the right script, um, you know, really, really clever kind of quirky films can be made. And I think this one definitely, definitely fits within that category. And I can't recommend enough um, that people go and check it out. Uh, have both yourself and Jamie seen this film? I've seen it, I. Yeah. I don't know, he, he seemed to pose that question to you, Graham. So have I seen it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I think so. Yeah. Yes, I, yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got that one. Uh, when, when did you? When did you see it last? Last, I actually watched it about a year ago. Oh, yeah, right. probably about the same. Probably about the same for me. Yeah, it's been been a while now. And what did you think coming back to it? Because I mean, it is. It's one of those films that when you watch it, is painfully nineties. Aye, that, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I think so. In the case uh, of this one, I think it works to its benefit. It's, it's cheesy, but in a, a sort of endearing way, it's, you know, it, it, it is genuinely funny. But like you said, like the bit when he's in the prison cell and things like that, and the the things kind of coming over the roof and, and stuff, yeah. and it's, like, it, it's, it, it's genuinely quite creepy. Um, I, I, but the, the ghosts that, that he, he works with, when they start dying, it's, you know, like you actually genuinely feel for them. They're not just like sort of, you know, guys that would kind of throw away one-liners to, to make a, a wee joke here or there. There's actual, you know, genuine character to them. Yeah. And um, I, I just, I th think it's excellent. And it's so over the top, it just becomes such a total fucking, you know, like it's just so utterly ludicrous that it's amazing. What's not to like? Well, I think that's the thing. I think the... the it is so over the top but they play it so straight faced in the film that that mm. just adds to it I mean um, like I was talking briefly about Jeffrey Combs character um, Milton <laughs> and he is like he is like a paranormal detective almost he's like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. he's one of these guys he's almost like Mulder and Scully but on acid um, <laughs> and his character is absolutely brilliant because he he's obviously he's worked on all these cases but he can't relate to humans at all he just has yeah. no kind of people skills and um 
you know, he has that really weird haircut and uh, comes away with some of the greatest lines, you know, like, you, you can't, you can't, um, you can't affect me, you can't rip your heart out of my chest because I'm wearing a, a lead vest and off comes a shirt and he is, in fact, wearing a lead vest, which is, so it's not just a line. Um, and, it, oh, he's, he delivers one of my favourite lines in, in the film as well when, you know, he takes his shirt off and there's all these kind of mystical and esoteric occult symbols carved into his body and he says yeah. my my body is a, a roadmap of hell or roadmap to hell or something and you look at it and you just go that's fucking fairly fucking sinister and it just comes <laughs> out of nowhere and what about you Jamie um, like you say you watched it about a year ago how did it hold up I think it holds up pretty well I I think the effects still look pretty good I love the way the ghosts look yeah and um, it is it is comedic, of course, but I think you are correct in that there are some truly creepy moments. It pretty much is a solid film all around. I think for if you like horror, then you'll appreciate it. If you like comedy, then you're you will have to. Um, I don't have anything negative to say. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's not the not the greatest film, but in terms of. You know, especially when you you think of when it came out as well. It came out in '96, and '96 is one of those years where you know horror just really wasn't there. It just didn't exist. Um, and this film came out, and I think Until that the year when Scream came out and just fucking redid it all. What? Sorry. Until the end of the year when Scream yeah. came out. Essentially, played. that's it. Yeah, and you don't, you don't, you don't know if that's you know. I mean, on paper. Frighteners is a bigger film, you know what I mean? It's had more money in it. It's through a bigger studio uh, that you would have thought that would have been the 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 kind of Halloween release. You would have thought that would have made sense, but then you think to yourself, you know, Scream was such a phenomenon when it came out. I mean, I, I know it was huge in America. It was fucking massive over here. Everyone I knew watched Scream, regardless if you were into horror or not. Everyone had seen Scream. Um, so I don't know if that, you know, the fact that it came out. It was, you know, it came out in July. I don't know if that benefited Scream to an extent that you know there wasn't that kind of big competition or or whatnot. Even though Scream is a, is a horror film and this one is a horror comedy, um, I don't know. I just think, like Jamie says, it's a solid film. It's not groundbreaking. It's not genre redefining. It's just one of those films that does horror comedy well. It does it really well. Um, so, I, I mean, do you guys have anything else like you want to say? Is there any scenes that you can think that stands out? Or shall we we jump on to the next film? I mean, the, the bit in the graveyard's great when the, um, like, the drill sergeant's shouting at him <laughs> and everything like that. that. That's fucking brilliant. Um, Early Ermy, that is his, that is, that's pretty much what he does best, period. In any in, in any movie that he's in. And so when he does that, it's so... It's it's just you don't expect anything less of him, and it's I love that I love that yeah. scene right there. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, it comes at the grave. Jesus Christ, Frank <laughs> Bannister. You know, it comes out of nowhere, just straight away, and he's got the gun. He's got the full military regalia on, and you yeah. know, he just he owns that graveyard. That's his graveyard, and everyone in yeah. there's scared shitless of him. <laughs> so as soon as he pulls the guns out and starts firing, everyone fucks off. So, uh, which is fantastic. <laughs> but that's what I mean. The casting's really. I mean, there's a lot of people playing very kind of stereotype characters. Um, but yeah, I think it. I, I think it works. I think like like Jamie says. I mean, if I, I we don't do ratings in this one, it wouldn't get like the upper echelons of ratings from me. But I just think it's one of these films that I didn't realise it was. 
almost as niche as it is because, like I say, everyone I seem to speak to hasn't seen this film, which just blows my mind. I, I would have thought, of the time anyway, everyone would have seen it. But uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I think like I say, you should check it out. It's the Frighteners from 1996. Um, and it was Peter Jackson before he started doing Hobbits and shit. So, <laughs> so, so but after there you go. he was doing, uh, but after he was doing, um, you know, people eating vomit and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. That's the thing. You you think that? I mean, um, I know I've heard it before, but uh, someone else has said it, and it has been mentioned on another podcast. But you, I mean, Peter Jackson basically is like Sam Raimi. They've kind of had similar career paths in that except Sam Raimi Sam Raimi's come back to horror and Peter Jackson hasn't yet but they both started off making really dirty grimy slimy films and then suddenly became massive directors handling some of the biggest franchises in the world um and like I say I would love to see him come back to horror because I think if you know I think he could have more fun and mischief there um than all the kind of hobbity fucking middle earth sort of films that he's doing just now but yeah that was the frighteners folks and we're taking a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to speak to jamie and her surprise selection um a film which i know what she's going to talk about and i have seen it recently and uh, i can't wait to hear what she says about it because i fucking loved it so we'll be back in a second hey kids do you like horror movies do you like podcasts do you like people called gil and roscoe if you do you're going to love Gal and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast! Every week, you'll join your hosts, Gil and Roscoe, who'll discuss a range of topics, including juice drinks, alcoholic drinks, lollipops, bobby socks, Robocop, uncomfortable chairs, comfortable <laughs> chairs. It sounds absolutely nothing like our podcast. Um, well, it, it should be a representation of our podcast, so we should start off with the pure cheesy intro and then just uh-huh. be like, Actually, no, that, that sounded way too upbeat for us. Yeah. <laughs> we could have some dead classy music in the background and people would think we're really high class gentlemen. We are high class gentlemen. That's just not what our podcast is like. Right. So that's Gil and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. Look for us on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. Back and forth, the struggle consumes we're back jamie go tell us <laughs> okay my choice uh is quite a bit darker than your choice uh, but i chose the changeling from 1979 within this old house live two residents one of them is john russell composer professor the other has been dead for over 70 years <laughs> Claire, I'd like to talk to you about the house. Did you die in this house? How did you die? Whatever it is, it's trying desperately to communicate. What is it in that house, Claire? What is it doing? Why is it trying to reach me? 
Don Rustin. I'm living in your house. Senator, look. Look, I want to, I want to show him that. You've got something of the senator's. He wants it back. I didn't think about this until you mentioned the beginning of the Frighteners where there was the car accident and his loss and all of that. But at least there is a similarity there. Um, in this one, George C. Scott um, – oh, this also has uh, Trish Vandeveer and Melvin Douglas. But uh, George C. Scott uh, plays a composer, John Russell. Uh, he's on holiday with his wife. Um, notice I said that. That's for you guys. We would call it vacation, but <laughs> but uh, he's on holiday with his wife and daughter, and they are tragically killed in a really freak accident uh, in in the beginning of this film, and it's 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 it is very tragic. Um, but he can't quite seem to get over that. So um, when he eventually ends up relocating from New York to Seattle, where he goes to teach at a university, and so he consequently moves into this huge huge old house and uh, he's renting it and i think it's owned by the university or or a um um it's like a historical thing and the historical society so he rents it from them and he moves in well, shortly after moving in he begins to experience all these strange things like you know the typical things banging is really loud banging uh running water he gets these strange visions and that's where this film really does an excellent job of playing with your senses. And if you I, – I watched this. And you know what's funny is I watched this because I knew that I wanted to talk about this. Duncan did not know that at the time. I didn't know that was freaking. And it turns out that we just coincidentally watched it on the same night. That is just strange. <laughs> but <laughs> it was meant to be. Uh, but so, so you have just, a, you have just as fresh – a viewing of it as I do. Yeah. And so you can testify to the fact that when like the things like the loud banging, which is pretty much just like a, a nondescript, just like bong, bong throughout the house. Uh, it's frightening. Yeah. Very and, much. Um, and then of course we go into, um, to find out that there is a very dark history attached to this house and a lot of goings on. And it also does an excellent job of sort of leading you in one direction only to find out that that's not that's not really where the root of all this comes from so it has uh, a little bit of mystery involved and and he of course um is living in this house so it's affecting him so he delves in to try to discover where this is coming from and what's going on and he doesn't really have a choice because the spirit that's in this house is very persistent uh, so what we get from this is one of my favorite things that we don't often get in movies anymore uh, because of the invent of the internet but he, we have this great classic 
microfiche scene where he goes to the library and he's <laughs> looking up every looking up the history on microfiche. And I always love that in movies. Um, I just I remember when I was in high school and I first got to use a microfiche machine, I was just like, it's just like in a horror movie because that was my only <laughs> reference to it up to that point. I was super excited. Um, but they also have uh, in this this really amazing seance scene that is incredibly effective. Uh, there's a, a fantastic use of automatic writing that is really, truly scary. And uh, as the psychic is doing this sort of automatic writing, she's in this trance. And so she's talking and writing, and you're just you're sucked into it. Uh, the only thing that uh, – the only issue I have with that is then they sort of go into a use of EVP, which is also uh, an incredibly creepy thing. But back then, we I guess uh, we didn't really know as much about it. So they, they come off speaking very clearly, and if you – um, watch ghost shows or anything like that where they use EVP, then you realize it's not quite that cut and dry. It's not really uh, – don't, you don't just get to talk to them. Uh, so um, it, it takes a little bit of license there, but you don't really care. This is um, – like I said, it's coming off that automatic writing scene, which, which is enough to keep you up at night, really, if you, if you think about it. This one, I don't think it's necessarily underrated – I think anyone who's seen it will rate it highly because it deserves it. It's it's definitely a quality movie, but I think it's a, what what plays to its detriment is its age. You know, it is from 1979, so there are probably people out there who just haven't had the opportunity to see it, or maybe they are aware of it but never got around to it. And so for those people out there, if you are a fan of ghost films, if you want something that is really effective, if you want something beyond paranormal activity, then I highly, highly recommend this. It's um, If you want something that is truly, truly scary, then I would look no farther than The Changeling. Yeah, I thought, um, like you were saying, it was quite strange that we, we ended up watching it at the same time without knowing that you were going to pick it. But like when, I, when we mentioned the, the ghost kind of film idea, and I... I Obviously, the first thing you do is you consult your trusty friend Google and type in ghost films uh, and take a look at you know what films are classed as ghost films because there's a lot on there which, I mean, there's a lot of films which I don't necessarily associate as being ghost films which are put in, the, put in that category. Um, so I was trying to stick more to doing films where, you know, like the main characters were the ghost almost, you know, or people interacting with ghosts, most of it, not to like a small degree. And this film appeared on almost every list I looked at, but the, the same thing that came out was written, you know, this is this is a film that not a lot of people have seen now and, you know, one that you need to go back and check out. So um, I, I luckily found it on YouTube. Um, although it is broke up into individual parts, which is a bit of a pain in the ass, but you know what I mean? Um, uh, I watched it, and yeah, I think this is one of these ones where it's just really creepy <laughs> all the way through it, you know? Uh, it's just, there's something very unsettling, and it kind of leaves you feeling very kind of unsettled when you're watching it. Like you were saying, Jamie, the, the kind of banging loud noises, that, you know... <laughs> if that was to happen to me, if that you know, if that started happening in my flat, I don't think I'd be living here. <laughs> I would be out the door in a shot. Well, there um, are a lot of things that in this movie uh, I don't, yeah. I don't, um, he, like he, I mean, 
this, like I said, this house is huge. It really is enormous. It's like a city. It's just, it's just, there's so many different hidden rooms. And then, like, he goes up in, into the upper levels of the home, which is basically the attic. But there are so many different rooms in here. And yet yeah. he discovers another room that had been walled up. And he proceeds to open it and go in, which is something that I would never do alone, especially <laughs> after experiencing the running water and the banging noises and all of this. I am not going to go digging into this room that's all covered in spider webs and it's pitch black and it's creepy as fuck. And then and yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, let me go check this out. No, <laughs> <laughs> not without a team. I'm not going in there by myself. But yeah. he does. And that, I think, really... Uh, it just sort of adds to the creep factor because you're sitting there going, why are you going in there? Don't go in there. You know, and, but he does. And uh, George C. Scott also puts forth an incredible emotional performance here. Uh, I was actually, I was shocked actually at the, the degree of acting in this film. He carries this film on, I mean, such a good performance uh, and you don't usually get that i mean we, we've talked about this before in horror films where where actors you know they, they pick people that have pretty much no acting experience now fling them in to film you get next to no kind of backstory about the character so you just don't care when anything happens to them the performance he puts forward is so kind of painful and parts that you go through absolutely everything he goes through every like you were talking about the the, the writing sequence um, the kind of paranormal, what do they call it? Seance? Yeah, yeah, the seance. With the uh, uh, automatic writing? Yeah, that just creeped me out. Oh, man, I, I did not like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, his performance is fucking... These are the sort of performances that need to be mentioned in, like, Academy Awards and things like that. Because he is just so good in this film. It's such a good choice of, uh, of you know, actor for that part. Well, he is a and he is a classic actor who has a he has the chops to do pretty much whatever he wants. Um, but I am glad to see that he does show up in horror, um, which I guess some people would say he, maybe he was slumming it if they're not a horror fan. But yeah. uh, we are appreciative of that. And he uh, he also does a bang up job in Exorcist Three. Yes. But there's one scene in particular in the Changeling where he wakes up in the morning crying. Because he'd had these dreams about when his wife and his daughter were killed. And he wakes up crying. And this is a man who is a powerful looking man. He is, he's intimidating. Um, if I, me then, I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I saw him on the street uh, and, and if he got mad at me, I think I would hide. Uh, he's um, he's a, a pretty intimidating guy. He, or as um, Patrick put it, he always comes off as, he looks like either a retired detective or a founding father. <laughs> and that's, that's all the time. And that's true. But when he so when you see him wake up from this dream and tears are streaming down his face and he is weeping, your heart is wrenched. You can't help but feel for him. And you're right there with him. He pulls you in uh, with his performance. Uh, the atmosphere pulls you in. You are in this film. And that just makes it that much more terrifying. Have you seen this film, Graham, at all? Is this? No, I know of it. But I haven't actually ever seen it. It's um, well, I don't really want to start discussing too much about it because obviously, if people haven't seen it and they go and watch it, I don't want to ruin anything for them. But it is the one that involves um, like the ghost of the young child and and the all the sort of yes 
I mean, that's not going to that's not going to hurt anything for anyone. Um, But yeah, there is the ghost that he experiences does end up actually being of that of a child. And but what really um, what would really get into spoilers is to why. And so we won't. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it it involves his father and Mm -hmm. yeah, just a really dark past with this particular family, the family associated with his home. Yeah, no, I know, I know the story, um, but I haven't actually seen it. Well, get on that. I will. I will. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good thing about this, um, this sort of podcast is that the last time we spoke, Jamie put forward a film which I had not seen, um, and I told you I was going to go and see it, and I did. It was Tourist Trap, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was, I, I could, I. When you said, you know, about the the whole kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre involvement and all the rest, uh, when you watch it, you get that vibe from it. But it's just in the voice that we were talking about, very very creepy. So yeah, I mean, if you've not had a chance to see um, the Changeling, uh, get a chance to just clear some time, jump on YouTube, download it from a reputable site like iTunes if it's up there, or find a, a way to get your hands on it. And give it a watch. I thoroughly recommend it. And I know Jamie. I mean, we don't even need to go into how much you love this film because I think you've you've passionately put forward the case. You know, it might not be the most underrated ghost film, but I certainly hadn't heard of it until we floated the idea about it, and uh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think that it's that's its its only detriment is that just people have not been exposed to it. And it sort of has fallen to the wayside. And there are a lot of films from the 70s that still are very powerful and everyone knows about, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or The Exorcist. Uh, This just didn't get that sort of notoriety. But I don't know anyone who's ever seen it who who would say anything negative about it because you just can't. It's it's um, and it was. It's an example of uh, I, I think it's sort of an elevated horror film. It's uh, it has a lot of class. It has a lot of of intelligence, and uh, I appreciate that. And and yeah. a, and a high caliber of acting, if which is probably the best thing I can say about it, is the acting in this is insane. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I think, but we've said that before. I think you know, I, I can't stress enough how much i mean you look at directors um or you know incredibly high class actors when they do come across and do horror i mean it does show it does show up a lot of the stuff that we're usually subjected to (laughs) and this is a good example of that but yeah folks check out the changeling and we're going to take a short break here we're going to come back and graham is going to wow us uh hopefully Wow, um, with uh, his choice uh, and the the final final kind of review of this bonus episode number two, and we'll be right back, folks. Not getting the coverage of TV horror from the other podcasts out there? Then look no further than Evil Episodes Podcast, where we'll give you the in-depth coverage of all the best and the worst that the small screen has to offer. Oh my god, you're hearing just about the big screen? Listen to the small screen here on Evil Episodes, Mike, Corey, and Jamie. Man, we're going to make things weird for you and just uh, bring to you everything that you don't hear about that you should be watching on TV. Jamie, give us some examples. 
Uh, well, how about we talk about new stuff like American Horror Story or The Walking Dead or this, this season's Sleepy Hollow. Uh, but then not only that, we dig into old stuff like Tales from the Dark Side and Supernatural. Holy moly. That sounds like a fun fucking podcast to me. You bet your sweet ass it does. And Jamie, where's the only podcast where they can hear about all that stuff? Well, it's Evil Episodes, of course. That's right. So set your DVR to channel 666 and let Evil Episodes give you the in-depth coverage of the stuff that deserves to be but isn't talked about elsewhere. Evil Episodes is a pod podcasting network. And we're back. And Graham is going to finish off this uh, this trifecta. Is trifecta right? Is that the right yep. word? Yeah, yep. trifecta of uh, of reviews here. With um, what film are you going to talk about, Graham? Um, well, it, it might seem a bit of an odd choice when we're talking about underrated films because it was quite a big release, and I know that a lot of people have seen it, and it did get a lot of good write-ups and things like that. But uh, I'm going to talk about the Woman in Black. During afternoon tea, there's a shift in the air, a bone-trembling chill that tells you she's there. There are those who believe the whole town is cursed, but the house in the marsh is by far the worst. What she wants is unknown. But she always comes back. The spectre of darkness. The woman in black. What I need you two to do is keep me on course here, because because <laughs> this this could be a disaster with me just being given free reins here. We'll end up talking about WrestleMania and all sorts. So keep keep me on course. Um, the reason I think that it's underrated is, like I said, it did have a big, you know, a big appeal and and it did do quite well and things. But I feel like it kind of did well with, you know, the the sort of the there was a bit of a the paranormal activity crowd type of feel to it, and yeah. and it it's not the same sort of movie at all. It's not just a you know cheap thrown together movie where things just kind of go boo and and that's you know and and everyone screams and that's the end of it. I mean there are a lot of you know jump scare moments in it, like the bit when uh, you know, he's at the window and her reflection comes up and screams at him and there's the bit when he lights the match and the wee boy's like right in front of him and uh, you know, there, there, there are a couple of bits like that but it's not that type of film. It's about atmosphere and it's about what you're seeing 
in the corner of the screen and you know you, you see her but it's not in focus and it's just it's tense and it's creepy and I know it's one of the key scenes but see that bit when the rocking chair's going and he's seeing it and it's it's empty and then the yeah. camera changes and it rocks and she's sitting in it and you can see that but you know it's not focused on that you just see that out the corner corner of your eye that shit is creepy as fuck man like <laughs> you know it, it really it's not just about giving you a fright and then getting you out of there. It gets under your skin and it, it really it really is about creating atmosphere and Daniel Radcliffe in it is fantastic. He really does for a lot of that movie he's essentially in it himself because you know what like the the woman in black doesn't have any lines or anything like that. She's just, you know, there kind of building atmosphere. But for a lot of it he's really carrying that himself. It's him and a dog. Um, you know, when, when they're in the house. So he, he does a phenomenal job on that. I also think that the idea is really creepy, you know, like the, the idea of it, it's, it's a curse and it's this a, a very sort of almost Wicker Man-esque, you know, this, this wee community off from the, the beaten path and, and any time that someone sees this woman, then, you know, kids start dying. And even, even without seeing her, you, you see all the the deaths and you know it's pretty harrowing watching children die but that bit at the end, end of the reveal when it shows you all the kids deaths again and she's just there in the background that's creepy as fuck um <laughs> you know this like I, I really think that it's it did do well and it did get a lot of good write-ups but i do think that it unfortunately wasn't really recognized as being so much of such a higher caliber than you know, your kind of generic spooky haunted house boo and, and that's you type of movies. I, I really think that it that it was something something different and I do think that the fact that it was a hammer movie had a lot to do with that as well. Very and much I so, think, yeah. And I think that's another reason why I, I, I think this movie's maybe not underrated, but I don't think that the full significance of it is is always appreciated. I mean it came out what it was it was only last year it came out, um, but you've got let let the right one in and the women in black are re- really the resurgence of Hammer films, you know, doing horror. And I don't think that can be understated. I think that's a huge huge deal in the world of horror. And I also think that it was a big part in um, you know bringing horror back into the mainstream. Um, you do have your um, paranormal activities and things which like I said un- unfairly I think a lot of the people that went to see The Women in Black were expecting that type of movie again but I think for the people who really got the you know really went to see it and really got the the, the kind of the, the, the atmosphere of it I think that's the same type of I think that's building on things like your American Horror Story and um, I think that's kind of opened the door a lot for things like uh, Bates Motel and, and Hannibal and just the, the the mainstream acceptance of horror not having to be flashy, big budget stuff. But, you know, I mean, even things like Paranormal Activity or, or Saw or whatever, you know, 
all right, the first couple of them were made quite cheaply, but then you've got a big studio behind it and they become high, you know, big budget and they're out every year and, and you know, no one really expects anything of them. This is an intelligent, well-written, well-acted, well-directed, um, creepy, creepy film. Um, and I think that has opened the door for things like The Conjuring, um, to come out this year and and do as well as it as it has, um, because it 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 shows people that in order for horror to be successful, it doesn't necessarily need to be done by a a, a big budget, um, or vice versa. It doesn't need to be really underground. You can do good horror with a decent budget without it having to be super mad CGI special effects and everything. And I know that there is CGI in The Woman in Black, but I think that a lot, the fact that a lot of it's practical as well um, actually, you know, strengthens its case. Um, so I'm not sure that The Woman in Black is necessarily underrated as much as perhaps underappreciated and, and you know, how, how much it's... It was just such a breath of fresh air. And I think it really, really has sort of altered the landscape for for horror. Certainly over here. I mean, I I don't really know how it, how it was um, taken in in the states, but over here certainly, I think it kind of came out of nowhere. No one was really expecting it to 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 be as dark. And I mean, the films are fucking twelve. You know, it's like it, it's it's like it gives me goosebumps watching it. It really does genuinely freak me out, and it's a fucking twelve. Um, I I do think that it just it, it was pretty wildly different from the kind of the notion of ghost stories at, at when it came out last year, and I think that um, it's maybe not had the the legacy that it that I, I feel that it should have done. I feel that it really should be held up as a, a modern classic and I'm not sure that it necessarily is. You know, like I said, it, it did do well when it came out, but I, I think a lot of people have maybe kind of moved on from it and I think that's a shame um, because even hardened old horror fans, I think, did kind of recognise that it, it it is a genuinely excellent piece of cinema and, um, and it's a Hammer film as well. What more can you want? There was a tension put on this because it was a Hammer film, yes. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, it's got Daniel Radcliffe on it. And when, you know, he signed up to do a horror film, you know, there's instant attention there. I mean, the the guy's Harry Potter, which is, you know, he's, he's of one of the biggest television, uh, sorry, film franchises pretty much yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That people were anticipating, where does he go next? And I love the fact that, you know, he... So he's an English actor and he's he's decided, you know, I want to do a horror film and, you know, I'm going to do this, you know, this horror film by Hammer. I'm going to, you know, re- kind of bring my performance over there and he is so fucking good. Anyone that thought, you know, well, he's a kid actor doing Harry Potter, watch A Woman in Black and that will show you the level of maturity in that guy's acting arsenal. It's just fucking amazing. Um, like you see, yeah. Carrie's pretty much the film off himself. He's... Yeah, he's playing off against a lot of the time against no one in the room. It's just him acting, 
yeah. And the level's fantastic. And like you say, it's a 12. That blows my mind because it made me jump <laughs> in bits, which not a lot of films do. And, um, you know, for it to come out over here with that sort of rating, with that sort of exposure, and it is legitimately a freaky film, I think. Um, I think, you know, like you, pretty much everything you said, Graham, um, I think that, yeah, it did get a bit of attention. Uh, I don't think that attention was sustained at all. I don't know how well it did in terms of sales after it's, you know, it's released at the cinema. But, um, yeah, I think as modern kind of ghost films go, obviously you've got things like The Conjuring and Insidious, which are, you know, the, the, the kind of the Americanized kind of ghost story. But as kind of old-fashioned English ghost story horror goes... The Woman in Black is a fine example. It's it's like you say, it is almost a modern classic in that it carries off a lot of the the kind of the classic ways of doing a kind of ghost story, British style, but just modernizes it, just brings it to the, the you know, it's used to CG which isn't overused. Um and uh, the kind of practical effects works really well. I think, yeah, like you say, you might not think it necessarily is underrated, but I think it is, and that, you know, maybe a lot of people have seen it, but like you say, not a lot of people rate it, um, and that's ultimately what we're looking at. So, Jamie, you've seen Women in Black, haven't you? Yeah, I reviewed it when it first came out, and um, so, and I was looking forward to it. One, it was a Hammer film, uh, but it was a ghost story. I love I love atmosphere. I love ghost stories. If I had to choose a, a genre that will most likely scare me, it's going to be ghosts. And because those are the things that when I'm lying in bed at night <laughs> that that will visit my mind. Um, and that can be pretty nasty sometimes. But uh, this one proved beyond a shadow of a doubt, one, that Daniel Radcliffe had absolutely no difficulty shaking off his eight years as Harry Potter yeah. or however long that was. Um, that was... Uh, I think a lot of people were just thinking, yeah, that he's Harry Potter. He's going to be Harry Potter forever. And he's like, no, I'm not. And he's right. He wasn't. There was not even a moment when I when I was watching this that I even thought about that because he completely transcended all of that. And uh, the atmosphere alone, it was foggy. It was creepy. It was um, it was very classic as far as Hammer films go in – in atmosphere. Plus, I love uh, Graham. You brought up the the sort of Wicker Man mentality that yeah. this town had, and I was I bought into that completely. I mean, you had this town that was so um, so entrenched in this uh, in this legend and in the horror of it that they basically they were living their lives based on this. I mean, it was that was a known fact. You know, that was just that was just yeah, the yeah. way it is. And I think it pulled that off really well. The effects were, I think, really great. There was one particular scene where uh, he looks out a window down into the, the swamp area that sort of surrounds this um, this little island. And um, you just see, like, like, rising out of the mud, uh, <laughs> this, this figure. And it sends yeah. chills up your spine. There are a couple yeah. of very subtle moments where you're looking at him in the foreground and something will pass behind him in the background. And it's not, you know, you're not going to go, ah, you know, but it's enough to, oh, you know, <laughs> like it gives you chills. <laughs> it makes you want to turn around and look behind you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I do I do agree that with you, Duncan, that I think it is underrated. Um, it, it did get a pretty big release. I think a lot of people went to see it, but I don't feel a lot of people necessarily appreciated what it brought. And um, I'm hoping that a lot of people who 
who didn't like it maybe on the first time out. I don't know of many of them, but I know that they're out there. I'd like to see them go back and give it another chance because I feel it deserves it. I do feel it, it's um, it's definitely um, – I lost my word. Um, <laughs> well, it's quality. It's it's quality. The acting is – is fantastic. The storytelling is great. I I bought into the legend myself. I can t- totally believe this, and I can imagine that if you're living in this town, that you would too. I mean, there's really no escape. There's really no way not to, and uh, it pulls it brings that across very well. And it was a triumphant return for Hammer to me. Yeah. And so I'm glad to see that you guys agree with that. Uh, I'm not sure what. I don't think that the reaction to it was as positive here as it was there uh, overall, but it didn't get panned by any means. I think people were people were willing to admit that it was good, but you always have that that element of you know people go in they're like yeah 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 you know there, there's there it's like people are reluctant to enjoy something sometimes and I got that surrounding this film much like I get that from people when they're talking about The Conjuring Um, and it's just like they don't want to admit that it's a good movie but it really really is and if you haven't seen it then I'm right there with you Graham I say go see it if you have seen it and you weren't impressed by it I'd say give it another chance and 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 you liked it just watch it again anyway. Just watch it again because it deserves it. It is a good, solid film. I mean, the thing is as well, I mean, the time of year that we're at, you know, it's we are mere, mere weeks and, well, week and days away from uh, from Halloween. So, you know, if ever there was a time to put on a, a modern spooky ghost story, now would be the time to check out The Women in Black, folks. Um, also, it was a period piece. That's right, um, yeah. Which even adds to... The atmosphere, I believe, and it allows you. It it sort of makes it easier to to allow yourself to go along with it. I feel like anyway, um, and I think they pulled that off really well too. And that's another thing I loved about this town. You know, there was like one car in the town, and, yeah. <laughs> and because no one had them, and so like one person had a car, and it was so you knew he was a big deal. Um, it was, um, and the whole and the whole town, even though it actually did take place um, a while ago, it it has a feel that they are essentially cut off. Yeah. You know, they're, they just, they're living amongst their own, own mentality, much like with the, with the Mick Wicker Man thing. And I think that was, uh, I mean, two different, very different films, but they both handle the, um, I don't know what, how you, I don't know how you refer to that, but the, basically this town, their, their whole, what is the word? Their isolation. Yeah. Okay. I'll go with that. Um, <laughs> it does. It is very isolated, and uh, so they have their own. They have their own way of doing things, and it also that's very obvious too. When he first gets into town, everyone knows it yeah. because everyone's watching him, and that that alone always gives me the creeps. Like whenever you go into somewhere and you see heads popping up into the windows, or or people stepping outside and and staring. Um, then you're like, oh god, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is the, gonna be bad. <laughs> the, the town has its own kind of has its own mythology almost that you know they have their they have their their past 
And that, like you say, that past has basically infiltrated everyone's lives. And now they live under, you know, within the shadow of that, of the woman in black. And it it, it totally dominates everything they do, pretty much. Um, yeah, it's that, it's that and that's classic. that's frightening alone. Yeah, it's that kind of classic. Because, I mean, he arrives there and they all know. <laughs> They all know why he shouldn't be there, you know, yeah. but he doesn't know. <laughs> and then he just plays <laughs> it off, you know, ah, well, whatever. Um, without, I mean, the town knows the gravity of the situation and he doesn't. And, we, you know, like you say, the, the acting from the, the townsfolk is such that you're instantly sucked into that. So, you know, so you're sitting there going, no, don't go there. <laughs> Run away. Yeah, it's like, it, it, you know, um, my intellect is telling me that, um, that, oh, they're just, you know, they're possibly just being silly, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're under, you know, they're, they're buying into their own legends and that's just silly. But, um, then you find out, no, it's not. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so you, uh, one thing I learned from this and well, and from many films, but this one drives it home too, is that if you go into a small town and everyone believes something, you'd at least want to pay attention to that. <laughs> Heed a little bit of that warning because there's something behind it. There's a seed of truth behind it. And in this one, it's a seed of really, really creepy truth. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Graham, you anything uh, else you want to say? Have either of you actually seen the, the play? No. I have not. Uh, well, you should. <laughs> 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 um, it's... Uh, it's just as creepy. Um, uh, if neither of you have seen it, I don't really want to go too much into it in case it, you know, like, obviously you kind of know the story, but th there's certain aspects of it and things like that that um, I don't want to say because it might ruin the, the experience. But, I mean, it's it's only two guys and the woman. So it's only three people on stage throughout the entire thing. Uh -huh. And there's next to no like stage props or anything like that. It's very very minimal, but um, but it's so tense. It's so creepy. Um, I think that's another thing with the Women in Black as well. Is just it's just such a great story. The book, this you know, the story of the book is different to the story of the play, which is different to the story of the movie. It's three different takes on it, but all three of them are incredibly creepy and incredibly tense and just excellent. So I mean, you've got a really strong source there. And um, I just, I, you know, I, I think that it really does kind of show how well, it, like when you do it well, how strong atmosphere can be. Because that's, that's what it's about. It's not, you know, buckets of gore and it's not huge special effects and it's not, um, I mean, there's that one scene when she sort of almost flies towards him, which is weird. But, um, you know, for the most part, like, that bit when he's in the hallway and he turns around and she's just standing at the other end of the hall. Oh. You know, like, te technically, there's nothing in that. It's not like it's a big special effect. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Like, oh, it is. You know, it's, just, it's just so fucking creepy. Even um, the point, I think a lot of people poo-pooed it for the fact that she, um, there was the time when, like, she's screaming in his face. Um, yeah. And a lot of people are like, because they just want to rail against jump scares. But see, what I say about this one is that it's, it goes beyond a jump scare. Yes, she's yeah. in his face screaming, but that is jarring. It's it, yeah. like it jangles your nerves. And uh, I remember when I was watching that, I was just like gripping, gripping the armrests on yeah. my chair because it was like, ah, <laughs> because imagine if you were in that spot and this yeah. was in your face, you yeah. know. 
then there would be a puddle between your legs. <laughs> <laughs> the jump, jump scares are fine as long as you don't rely solely on jump scares. If you build atmosphere and it's getting really, really creepy and, you know, it's getting really tense and then there's that sudden jump, I think that's fine because that's, you know, that's kind of the payoff of, of the build-up. I agree. So, you know, like, I think that's okay. When you've got a movie like Paranormal Activity where it's just constant, you know, loud noise and bright bright light sort of constantly in your face for two hours, there's, you know, there's no, you're not getting a payoff, you're just getting the shit kicked out of you. Whereas with, you know, with this, it stays with you when you leave because it's got under your skin and it's, you know, it's had that like, that visceral attack on you as well. It's, it's a combination of both. And it, it's hugely effective. I totally agree. Yep, me too. Glad. Glad. <laughs> right. I feel validated now. <laughs> right, so that was our three film reviews. So we recommend that you check out The Frighteners. We recommend that you check out The Changeling. And we also recommend that you check out The Woman in Black. And we will be back after this short clip to wrap out the show. I'm carelessly leaving trails, never minding the fragile turn. We all end in. I'm carelessly leaving trails, never minding the fragile turn. We all You're listening to the podcast on the stairs. Welcome back. So that was bonus episode number two, brought to you by the podcast Under the Stairs. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed that, guys. I hope you did as well. I did. I always oh, enjoy it, though. <laughs> Pass the time, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think the thing is that that we. You know, the good thing about doing these bonus episodes is that we don't focus on grading. We just kind of take a film that we like um, or, you know, we'll soon be coming up to ones we don't like and we, we get to talk about them. And hopefully, if you're listening to us out there, podcast world, um, you're going to go and check out some of these films we mentioned because I, I think when Graham eventually gets around to seeing The Changeland, I know you're going to love that film. So you've got three kind of positive recommendations on three films so you know go and check them out guys that's that's kind of what we're here to do is facilitate you with some films that you may have missed or you've not seen in a while that you should go back and check out again um i once again must thank uh, jamie jenkins for giving up her time uh, to come on to the podcast under the stairs and once again show us how it's done <laughs> jamie, jamie duncan jenkins <laughs> you know, I will adopt that as my middle name now. <laughs> that is officially now what the D stands for. <laughs> and uh, it also stands for damn happy to be here because I always am. It's always enjoyable and uh, I get, a, I squee just a little bit every time you invite me back. <laughs> and um, people will get to hear you uh, on a segment coming up for our special Halloween edition, um, which will be... Uh, our last episode for I think about two weeks, um, just because uh, Graham's away on his holidays, and then I'm away on my holidays. But when we come back after that, we don't get those over here. Yeah, you get the, <laughs> is it va- vacations over there. Do you well, get no, we barely get those. <laughs> 
So Graham is going to be hitting up Toronto and I'm going to be hitting up New York. So we're going to be over your side of the world, Jamie. And um, when we come back from that, we had planned to do a top five of British horror films, a podcast under the stairs favourites. But we've decided to up that um, because five is proven far too difficult. And we're going to be doing a top ten countdown. So every week oh, you'll be getting... Yeah, top. I'm telling. You, I think we could probably do that easy as well. Um, but because it's it's only when you start looking at films that you realise that there's been so fucking many amazing British horror films that to narrow yes. them down is just oh. But anyway, um, each episode will focus on two until we come to our top three. And then we will be doing an individual episode based on those top three where we really get heavily involved with dissecting why these films are, in our opinion, the top three horror films released through uh, British filmmakers. So, um, I think this uh, is about the right time to wrap this up. And um, anything else you want to say before we cut this podcast off? Uh, it's, it's been fun. <laughs> it's always been fun, Graham. It's, it's the, the fun never ends. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much enthusiasm at the end of a podcast. Unbelievable. <laughs> what do you expect? I'm tired. I've been up since 4 a.m. <laughs> and it, I was going to say that, but. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, thanks very much guys for once again checking out the podcast Under the Stairs. We've been getting a lot of really good feedback. Um, just keep the feedback coming guys. We we enjoy it. We enjoy knowing that you are enjoying what we're doing. Um, and I enjoy having my ego soothed. He, he does indeed. He does indeed. I can <laughs> testify to that. Um, that is that is what you call your penis, isn't it? Your ego. <laughs> just making sure. <laughs> he, strokes, he strokes his ego on a, reg- on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> it's a messy hobby but um yeah sure. uh, we, we will be back um for about halloween time with our halloween special and the plan for that is now we're going to see how well i managed to pull this off is but we're going to have as many different podcasters from as many horror podcasts as i can convince jamie to get to speak on this and i can <laughs> convince myself just to to do a quick 10 minutes of you know a film which isn't an obvious film which they associate with Halloween time, so like the month of October, what do they have to watch within that period which isn't obviously Halloween, uh, which everyone will probably end up saying. But um, yeah, and just get to talk to them about, you know, why they like horror, a quick 10 minutes and see how many we can get into our podcast. So it'll either be quite a long podcast or an incredibly short one. Um, <laughs> so we'll wait and see anyway. But uh, if you would like to say goodbye, Jamie. Goodbye, Jamie. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I always do that. <laughs> no, seriously, thank you guys again. I always love being here. And uh, you're really great friends apart from incredible podcasters. And you have a fantastic show. Show. I thought you were going to say you're really good friends apart from Graham. <laughs> That's no. what I thought as well. <laughs> you're really good friends apart from when you're being dicks. Which is most of the time. Pretty but much, yeah. <laughs> we're pretty good at that. Uh, would you like to say goodbye, Graham? Bye. It's been fun. There you go, like a pro. <laughs> and uh, we will see you all on our Halloween special edition of the podcast on this year. Thanks for listening, folks. See anyone? Well, we won't see them. Well, I see everyone. I am the all-seeing eye. 
Well, there you go. <laughs> Try and compute that. <laughs> I knew I should have put on clothes for this. <laughs> we'll catch you all later on, folks. Have a good one, and we'll speak to you soon.